Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey, it's Jason here. Have an incredible show for you today. My friend Tim is stopping by to share his seven best places to live abroad. And not just live abroad, these are places where you can easily spend an extended period of time. And I had so much fun talking to him as an expat who has been living abroad for some time. I got into a lot of the nuances around living abroad or just spending extended time abroad. We talk about how moving abroad can dramatically change your day-to-day life and in some cases make it more fulfilling, the financial impact of moving abroad, how moving abroad can give you more freedom to create Tim's best advice for finding a place that will match your interest. Also, who this isn't for. Tim shares some compelling arguments for the type of people who maybe shouldn't spend extended time abroad. We get into all that and so much more. I also share some of my struggles living abroad. Tim does as well, and he dishes plenty of advice about spending extended time abroad. So I know you're going to love this show. And Also, a surprising, exciting announcement. I didn't know I was going to be doing this until yesterday, but I can't wait to share this with you. It's it's an exciting way for us to connect deeper, so I will talk about that in this show as well, and so much more. It's going to happen right now, so buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience, as you heard at the top. (laughs) Such an amazing show today. Uh, Really excited to welcome Tim to talk about life abroad. And there are so many different aspects to living abroad, to spending extended time abroad, not only logistically, but emotionally, financially. And we get into all this stuff, including the seven best places to live abroad. In Tim's opinion right now, and a lot of value in this episode, you are going to dig it. Also later, 
I should have mentioned this at the top. I've got a shout out to somebody in the community who sent me a nice voicemail from the beach. And she asked the question. It's an important one. What am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? And that's a powerful question. We'll get into why and you can hear her message later on uh, in the show after the interview. So be sure to stick around for that. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about this question. What am I waiting for? Before we get into the show, I've got an incredibly exciting announcement that just came together in the last 24 hours. And I'm like, you know what? I'm doing this. People have been asking for this. And this is going to be really something special. And you know, travel's been hit pretty hard when it comes to COVID. This show's going into its eighth year. I've been doing pretty much a weekly podcast for eight years, which is insane. Now we have some incredible archives built up. And I want to give you all a chance to hopefully connect deeper with me and connect more with each other in the listening community. I know you're all out there with your headphones on kind of absorbing content and listening in and a part of this community, but how can we make more connections with each other? And how can I get you some exclusive content and let you dictate what that is? So I've got something really exciting. It's called Zero to Travel Premium Passport. And if you go to zerototravel.com slash premium, you can get on the wait list. This is going to be launching March 9th. And it's going to be a private podcast feed and community just for Zero to Travel podcast listeners. So we're going to do live AMA once a month. We're going to have some bonus content and exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. And you're going to be able to access the Zero to Travel podcast archives, which is going to be over 300 episodes. And I'm also going to include audio that you can't get anywhere else, basically. It's all going to be just five bucks a month for the price of a fancy cup of coffee. You can support the podcast. You can get exclusive content. Any new podcasts that come out are all going to be in the feed as well, and they're going to be ad-free. And you'll be able to connect with others in the listening community. I want to co-create this with you. So all you need to do is hop on the wait list. That doesn't cost anything. Just go to zerototravel.com slash premium. You're going to want to do this because it's going to be, again, $5 a month for just the first week. Then it's going to go up a bit in price. But I want to reward people that you know, say, hey, I'm down with this. I'd love to access a private podcast feed for Zero to Travel. I'd love to get hooked in a bit more with this community. I'd love to get exclusive audio content that I can't get anywhere else. And I'd love to support the show. So before you forget, zero2travel.com slash premium, just so you don't miss the launch. I'm going to be announcing it again on the podcast, but it's going to go live March 9th. Cannot wait to welcome premium passport members in. You're still going to have access to the public show, of course. This is always going to be free, so I don't want to confuse anybody. You're still going to be able to get all the episodes from the last year and all of the episodes that come out each week. But the archives and all the other episodes are going to be part of Premium Passport going forward starting March 9th. So hope you decide to join. And uh, either way, I just appreciate that you're here. Now, let's get into today's show. This is Tim talking about life abroad, sharing the seven best places to live abroad or spend extended time. Stick around after the interview. Again, we're going to share some audio from a listener in the community and talk a little bit about that question, what am I waiting for? Stick around for that. Enjoy the interview, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Hello. 
I'm here with my good friend and founder of the Cheapest Destinations blog and author of A Better Life for Half the Price, the second edition, How to Thrive on Less Money in the Cheapest Places to Live. Tim Leffel, always a pleasure. Welcome back to the Zero to Travel podcast again, my hey, friend. Thanks, you're like, a, I don't know, you might be, I'm trying to think if you're, I should have counted this in the beginning, how unprofessional on me, like maybe at least three or four time guest. And I, I'm pretty sure you have the most popular episode out there with uh, some of the world's cheapest destinations lists that we've done. So anyway, I'm like, always a thrill to talk to you, man. Welcome back. Well, cool. Thanks for having me on. And it's always good to chat with you. And and I think you've got a, a great audience that's uh, you know interested in getting out there and doing something interesting in the world. So uh, always glad to be here. <laughs> I was like, hey, we got to record because you just came out with the second edition of the book, A Better Life for Half the Price, which uh, I'm a huge fan of because, well, I mean, your writing is great because you have the inspirational, aspirational side of, you know, a little bit of a kick in the butt there. Like, hey, this is, this is a real thing that you can do, but also all of the practical stuff and the reality of it, right? It's, it's like the perfect mix of, you know, hey, get out there and do it, but also here's how you do it. There's so much going on in the world, obviously. I don't need to tell everybody what's going on in the world, but this has dramatically impacted the flexibility I think that people have in terms of being able to work remotely. I think COVID's really accelerated the remote work movement. So now people that have maybe w wanted to start their own business so they could live abroad and do things like that. Maybe they don't have to. Maybe they can just work for somebody or they're already location independent now. So anyway, I mean, what are your thoughts on just kind of what's going on? Because you live in Mexico. I know you kind of bounce back and forth to Florida sometimes, but you're you're mostly living full-time as, as an expat in Mexico. I mean, what are your thoughts on just like the state of things now as it relates to remote work and, and living abroad? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a silver lining in every disaster. And the one we've gotten out of this one is a lot more people have been able to work remotely. And in some cases, they're working for big companies and they're able to work remotely, which is uh, kind of the best of both worlds if you want to keep your health insurance and all those good things, your benefits. But, you know, if you want to start your own business, this is also a golden time. It's not weird anymore to uh, even be a freelancer and say, I'm going to work for you wherever I am and the client saying, okay, as long as you get it done, because now they're getting used to that idea. So many people are working from home anyway. And, you know, if this is a good time to go from spending a fortune where you might live because you had to, because of your job to be in a position where you can really arbitrage those earnings and go live in a less expensive place and get a lot more house for your money, get a better life for half the price, as it says. <laughs> I feel like there are a subset of people who, you know, kind of entertain these thought experiments about living abroad and things like that, but maybe don't actually go a little bit further and dive into the reality of, okay, let's look at that. Like, what is that? What does that mean? You know, what does it mean to move to another country? And, you know, how can that impact my lifestyle? How can that impact me financially? Because like you said, I mean, surface level is like, it's really quite easy to see. Well, we know these other countries are cheaper and, you know, therefore we probably need less money to live and maybe we'd have some more flexibility. But like when you dig even deeper, you can, you can really start to understand how moving abroad really can dramatically change your day-to-day -day life. I mean, just with your experience 
living and growing up in the States and then, you know, spending all the time in Mexico that you do. What has the difference been for well, you in your own life? It's made a massive difference financially because, um, you know, our expenses are so much lower that when my travel writing business uh, took a nosedive for a few months there last year, it wasn't really that big a deal because my expenses were at a point where it was very easy to cover those. And also I've got an exotic place outside my door. Like it made it a lot easier to be holed up in one city when it's not my city of birth. You know, it's not a city where I grew up in. I mean, I walk outside and it's still interesting every day. It's still exotic and different. And I think that makes your life uh, more fulfilling when you're not stuck in a rut, when you're not in a routine and you've got another culture around you, another language and different food. And so I think it just can, it can make your life more interesting and keep it from feeling like the days are just drifting by and you're losing time. And, uh, you know, you're just doing the same old, same old all the time. And then on top of that, the benefit is you're, you're saving a lot more money or spending it on what you want instead of paying bills with it. I mean, of course, you can never really know how you're going to fit into a place until you live there. It's one thing to pass through. It's another thing to actually spend quality time. What is your advice for figuring out how you as an individual will match with a culture? In some ways, the choice is overwhelming, right? If you look at something like your book, I mean, there's 19 desirable countries around the world that you talk about in, in the book, I believe. And you know, that's like, all right, well, you can go a lot of places. How do you choose a place? When I sell my ebook package, I actually have a little uh, sort of infographic on there that sort of leads you down a path. Um, there's a lot of things you can kind of put on paper and and do this pros and cons exercise yourself in terms of what kind of weather makes you happy, what kind of uh, culture makes you happy. Are you an urban person or a rural person? You know, those kinds of things you should at least uh, do ahead of time because you don't have to be in a place to figure those out. You already know um, that, you know, I had one person tell me they had to move out of a city because the coffee was terrible, you know, like that was really important to them and they just couldn't stay anymore. And so, you know, who, <laughs> knows, here. who knows what it might be for you. But some people say that about, uh, some wine drinkers say that about living in Asia, like they can't stand it because they can't get good wine. Like it depends on what's important to you, you know, but a lot of people, it's weather, it's uh, mountains or beach or that kind of thing. Um, it's culture. They want to be able to go to, in normal times, go to concerts and performances and, you know, have, have a bit of culture there. But other people don't care about that. They just want to play golf or hang out at the beach or whatever. So um, get those things straight, first of all. But then, unfortunately, this slump has put a crimp in a lot of uh, things. But I, I think there's no substitute for feet on the ground when the time comes when you're really making a life decision to move somewhere. You really need to try it out a bit first. I think it's important to point out that this is not an all or nothing forever or never move. You know, I mean, you and I have lived in different cities. Um, most of the people I talk to that have done this, it's not the first place they've lived. You know, they've at least moved around the U.S. or they've moved, you know, they spent time in Canada or Europe or whatever. So this doesn't have to be forever. Go try a place out for, you know, three months. Take a sabbatical and see how you like it and or make spend a summer school vacation there with the kids. And then, you know, you'll have a feel and you haven't made an all or nothing decision. You can know after that if it's the right place. If it's not, then keep looking, you know, no big deal. You had a great experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is so timely because I, I just think about 
there must be a lot of people out there who are rem- working remotely for the first time. And when travel does open up again, at some point, some of those people are going to be, you know, m- maybe certain companies will have restrictions or whatever, but others probably won't They'll be like, you know, I don't care where you do your job from. And this is going to sort of flood the market, so to speak, with a, a new group of people that can live abroad really for the first time in a way that, uh, you know, they don't have to maybe start their own business to do it. Like they could do it almost more immediately. I want to get into some of the destinations because I think that's that's always fun, right? I mean, talking about some of the cheapest places to live and, and some of the things you mentioned, quality of life, weather, all that stuff. But first, I think it would be good to just get some general advice. Like if you're speaking to some of these people, what are some of your sort of best pieces of advice that that you would give for somebody that's considering a life abroad, even if it's like for half the year or something. Yeah. I mean, I would say try to figure out what it's going to take in terms of budget and visas and that kind of thing. I mean, if you go three months or less, you can go almost anywhere in the world. I mean, there's a few exceptions in there, but a lot of places will let you in for that long, including the Schengen countries in Europe. So, um, you know, you could pull up Airbnb and see monthly prices. There's some other companies like housing anywhere that specialize in short-term accommodation, um, for people that are, you know, on business or whatever. So they've got lots of availability. So just do something like that and get a gut check of what your housing costs are going to be. I mean, if you have, you know, feet on the ground and you can really spend some time to look around, you're going to find a much better deal than that, but it'll at least give you, um, a ballpark and then, you can, you know, double or triple that and that's going to be your entire monthly budget. So that'll give you an idea of what it's going to cost you. And yeah, ideally try to find a place at least to start. That's a good match for what you're looking for. And, um, or just some place, you know, that looks like it meets your criteria on uh, the things you've got written down on your yellow legal pad or whatever. But, um, and then there's some things logistically you got to take care of like banking and mail and, and that kind of thing. But if you're just going for a temporary trip that all is a lot easier but um, if you're doing it long term you are going to have to worry about the nitty-gritty of finances and taxes and that kind of mm-hmm. thing but well what are some of your best resources for that type of stuff for the logistical stuff um, well there's a few companies out there that publish checklists and I I don't have them off the top of my head but just kind of a, a moving checklist of what you should take care of beforehand but I'd say look at the big ones first, you know, which are what are you going to do about money? (laughs) How are you going to get to your money? Um, And so you should be with a bank that's not going to charge you a fortune on ATM fees and maybe they'll even rebate them if you've got the right one. Um, And then, you know, how are you going to handle your work situation? How are you going to handle keeping in touch with everybody? But none of this stuff is all that hard. Like it used to be hard 10 or 20 years ago, but I mean, now it's gotten easier every year. You and me are talking on Skype and that's just one of, you know, a dozen alternatives out there for seeing people face to face, like uh, the old Jetsons TV show. <laughs> you know, when you start bringing up these questions, uh, well, you know, mail and banking and all this stuff, it, it's one of those things that I think can get overwhelming fast in people's minds. And then maybe that's shut some people down. But like you said, in this day and age, everything's figure outable pretty quickly and pretty easily. Right. I've definitely found that in my own experience, just living abroad and having to navigate, okay, well, what does that mean for taxes and how am I going to, you know, run my business and move my business to another country? Not, not most of the things that I've had to deal with. A lot of people won't have to deal with. It's all, stuff that you can dive in and figure out when 
when the time comes. So don't let it distract you. And yeah, of course, I'd like people to spend 22 bucks on my book, but there's lots of free resources mm -hmm. out there, including my own blog. But there's a lot of message boards out there these days, not just you know, the old school message boards on websites, but there are also loads and loads of Facebook groups. And so if there's somewhere you're going and there's more than a hundred expats, there's probably some kind of message board you can find to, to, you know, you can see what other people have asked and what the answers are. And then if your question and answer are not in there, then you can put it up and somebody will give you some advice. This episode is brought to you by US Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. What are your thoughts about being in the quote-unquote expat community? You know, some of these places you you can go and really get into this expat bubble where you're not you're almost... I mean, it, of course, it depends on the individual and how much you decide to keep yourself within that bubble, right? But there are some of these places where you could be in a bubble and it's almost like you're you're all just in another country together, but it, you're a bit disconnected from it in some ways too. Like, I know that's not how you guys roll, but like, I'm sure you've seen this in your experience. Yeah. I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses of, minuses of that. It's nice to have people that speak your own language and 
to get together for a Fourth of July party or whatever. But uh, but yeah, you don't want to spend all your time in there. Uh, the easiest solution is to learn the local language. And if you're living in a place like uh, Mexico, that's pretty easy. I mean, Spanish. There's a million resources out there for you to learn Spanish. It's not so easy if you're living in the Czech Republic or somewhere that has a completely different language with no common words. But that helps for sure. Um, or if you can find uh, locals who speak your own language, you know, people who speak English, that's not hard to find in most places. So you can at least um, have somebody to to mix with who's not uh, from your own country and can explain the culture to you and, you know, why you do this and not that and all those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's go in with an open mind and don't be afraid. I think people are, are just naturally fearful of change. And so they cling to that expat bubble because it's familiar, but I, I think there are plenty of ways to get out of it. Yeah, cool. To your point, it is super nice when I get to see other American, my American friends here in Norway, and I'm not sure maybe you feel the same in Mexico. It's just something about, you know, you have that cultural commonality, right? Or, or you know, I could say some jokes that they'll actually get <laughs> as right. opposed to <laughs> some of the references that I have to hold back here when I'm talking to some region friends or whatever, because they, I just know they're not going to get it because it's some obscure reference from American culture. And, I can't make that joke in, in the moment. And right. it, sometimes that's a little disheartening. I'm like, oh, like not that all my jokes are funny or anything, but you know, in some ways you have to kind of, it's not changing your personality, but it's just, uh, you're adapting to the situation and the conversation. And sometimes when uh, just, you know, speaking honestly, when I get together with my American friends, it's almost like I can feel like I can let loose in a different way in some way. It's really hard to explain. But yeah, and you're not having to think about what you say in the same way <laughs> as you do in another <laughs> language. It's much more right. It can be more tiring to your brain to speak in a second language. But um, I'd say also um, it's good to it's good to be around other entrepreneurs if you're an online entrepreneur. But you don't want to be doing that all the time because then you're not getting any work done. I've heard many tales of people moving to Chiang Mai and three months later, they don't have anything to show for it because it was so much fun hanging out with all the other people there and like going on their excursions and going to parties and these mixers or whatever. And then, you know, they look up and three, three months have gone by and they're still not making any money from this supposed business they're running. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand though, speaking another language and, and being in a culture and away from the expat scene or maybe fellow country people from your home country, it gives you new perspectives, of course. And I think there are elements of, let's take the entrepreneurial example, right? Like getting out of the entrepreneurial bubble of expats, say, and having different experiences. I think for me, it brings more creative ideas to my own work, right? So there's value in that. I don't know. I find just being abroad, you're just exposed to things that are done in a different way. And I think sometimes that can affect my own creative pursuits. Right. If that makes sense. And has that been the case for you at all? Yeah, it has. And uh, I think the big difference uh, for Americans and maybe even Canadians that move abroad is the world is not in such a hurry to get stuff done <laughs> and they are not as maybe efficient as efficient in getting all this stuff done. And they are much more relaxed about it. And it's good to take that attitude sometimes and get some perspective. You know, if I'm having a problem that I'm having 
difficulty with. I usually just go out and take a walk and I see, you know, the people around me just sitting on a park bench, socializing, being in a cafe for three hours, you know, it's like, and they're government workers half the time. That's what's funny. <laughs> the people in three <laughs> in the cafe for three hours. So, but you know, stuff gets done eventually. They're just not in such a hurry. That can't not impact your daily life and your own attitude, right? Yeah. It, just it makes can't. you think about what's important and what's really going to move the needle and what's just busy work. Yeah. Yeah, I think people that are listening to this that might be working remotely for the first time and considering more extended stays abroad, beware because if you move around a lot, it's very difficult to get work done, (laughs) which is another thing I wanted to bring up because I think one of the advantages of what you're teaching in the book and what you talk about is, you know, yes, it's moving your life abroad, but I mean, you can do it in smaller chunks too and make it like a quote unquote slow travel type of experience, right? But that's key if you actually want to maintain productivity. It's very difficult if you haven't done it or tried it. If you have, you know what I'm talking about, to say throw on a backpack or pack a suitcase or whatever and expect to travel around for three months and going to a dis- different destination every you know, week or two and checking in and out and all that to be productive. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. I think most people find out the hard way that they have underestimated how difficult it is to have a good work environment if you're on the move. And most people learn this the hard way and then they figure out that slow travel is a lot more conducive to working abroad than trying to be a digital nomad like these, you know, people you see on Instagram who are showing off their spot by the beach where they're working on a laptop and really they just posed for a photo because that's a terrible place to work and they're really holed up in their room the rest of the time because they need a desk (laughs) and they need the right lighting. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and good Wi-Fi. <laughs> no, it's so true. When you're spending time in a new destination, or maybe it's when you're going, say, from Florida back to, to Mexico, or if you're in the States for a while and you go back home to Mexico, how long does it take you to get reacclimated into that slow pace of the culture that you talked about? I don't know. Not all that long because I'm still working from home even when I'm in Florida or I'm on a business trip. So um, it's not massively different. It's just um, you get used to the convenience of the United States, being able to get anything you want, anytime you want, you know, and just it's so easy. And and I think you have to work for it a little more in a developing country. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, like maybe you have to go to eight stores instead of one, but um, you're supporting eight local businesses, you know, and the meat's better and the fruit and vegetables are better. So, you know, everything's a trade-off. And um, I get back in the groove pretty quickly because I feel comfortable in that environment anyway. Well, you speak Spanish, right? Yeah, not as fluently as I should, but um, Mm -hmm. I get by. (laughs) Do you remember when you were abroad in Spanish-speaking countries before you were as good as you are now versus now? How much of a difference has that made to to feel connected to a place? Yeah, it's you? made a massive difference. I mean, if nothing else, just to understand what's going on around you, what people are talking about, or when you hear announcements in the airport and that kind of thing, you know, um, reading, being able to read all the signs everywhere and not not be puzzled about what they're saying. So that all helps a lot. And also, 
Yeah, I struggled to get any thought across when I was first learning, and um, it was really difficult. But now I can have a handyman come over and explain what the problem is. And, you know, we have a housekeeper and we're ordering food and people call on the phone sometimes and say, well, this thing's out of stock, but we have this other one. And now I can deal with all that. But, like, it was really tough at first just to even get a taxi to the right place. <laughs> so it's definitely a journey. <laughs> yeah. I have found when I first came to Norway and for a long time before I really got my head around the language, you're just in your own head a lot when you don't know the language. It's it's one thing when you're traveling, it's kind of more accepted, I feel like, when you're passing through, you just kind of, you know, you're not going to learn Vietnamese in three weeks right. or whatever, <laughs> you know? But if you're moving there for six months or a year, it is definitely worth the investment to get even a basic level, you just feel so much more connected to the people, to the culture, to the land, to yeah. what's going on around you. I used to call it phrase book level because, you know, before apps came along, we used to all have one of those little phrase books we cover carried along. And I, that's, I got to phrase book level in Korea when I lived there for a year. And so I could, I could, you know, read menus and take a taxi and do that. But that was about as far as it went, but that was enough to get by. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that phrase book level. It's an old school term, yeah. right? <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> the handy dandy phrase book. You mentioned this idea of feet on the ground earlier. And I agree. I mean, in my experience, just traveling when you're in the place, it's always much easier to figure out what's going on, to find deals, whether that's, you know, through an expedition that you want to you want to make or a place to rent or whatever. But as you're preparing to go abroad, I feel like there's this balance of you can you can do a lot in advance with the internet, right? Some of the stuff was kind of out of necessity before the internet, right? Because you you couldn't do anything but show up and figure it out and and kind of get your feet on the ground, as you say, boots on the ground, and and just you know dive in. But now you can do a lot of stuff in advance, but it's not always necessarily going to save you more money or time in the long run, right? So what kind of advice would you give for somebody who is going to X destination? They know they're going to be there for whatever, at least two or three months. Is it to rent a place before you go? Is it to rent a place for like a certain period of time? And like, what, what would kind of, what would you do if you were going to say the country of Georgia, completely new place, and you were going to set up shop for say six months there, what would be your methodology? Yeah. So what I would do is get a short-term rental for a week or two, or even stay in a hotel, you know, an inexpensive hotel, and then just start looking around because, um, yeah, if you look online in advance for a long-term rental, what you're going to find is either what's being put up for rent by other expats or what's being put up for rent by really savvy young locals who are appealing to, um, long-term renters. But in either case, those prices are almost always going to be higher than what you'll find uh, if you just start asking around and walking around. And and there are some countries like, this is especially true in Latin America, where they want to see you face-to-face before they even think about renting to you. Like you're coming to see the apartment, yes, and deciding whether you want it or not, but they also want to see you. And maybe um, that's not fair or valid, 
Um, and it's not even necessarily a racial thing. They just want to, you know, see that you're a friendly person that they can get along with. And uh, it's really important to them that you're not going to be um, a diva, basically, that you're not going to make their life miserable. And so they don't want to do it online, even if they can. I mean, a lot of them aren't. They wouldn't know how to do this anyway. They're not online enough. They're just on their phone. They don't have a desktop, whatever. But um, some of them have no desire to advertise their place for rent online because they want to do it all face to face. That might be intimidating for some people to think about, you know, knowing you're going to go to a place for X amount of months or whatever and, and not really knowing where you're going to land. But it's so much better. <laughs> The other reason to do that is if you haven't spent a lot of time in that city, then you want to figure out where the right neighborhood is and, and the right. safe neighborhood. <laughs> you can't really tell just by pulling up a map on Airbnb. Yeah, no, that's true. And you want to catch the vibe. And uh, maybe for some people, you want to make sure there's a good coffee somewhere nearby, <laughs> yeah. right? As you mentioned. I talked to Let's this talk guy about the other day, sorry, real quick, who... Uh, no. He rented a place in Morelia, Mexico, furnished utilities included for two fifty a month, and I was like, "Man, that's a great deal." But he said he walked around for fourteen miles before he found it. And like it was in a great location, but that's just—he literally was like going up and down blocks looking for signs. <laughs> There's some sweet joy I get out of just walking around endlessly with no destination, like just really going on long walks. And in that case. I don't know. There's something satisfying about finding something when you're there. Maybe it's a little bit of the old school traveler in me, but you know, stumbling upon something or like meeting somebody and then they introduce you to somebody, all these different ways that things happen when you have boots on the ground. It's just, more fun. Yeah, I don't it is know. fun. And also, those are all the great deal stories you hear, like the one I just said, but where somebody goes, man, I got this fantastic deal because this friend had a friend who was moving out and their place was coming up and, and you know, the woman wasn't going to be there. She wanted somebody she could trust. And so she rented it to me for this crazy price. And you hear that <laughs> kind of story all the time. And you're not going to find that online. And, and also, let's face it, the pictures don't always match up to what you find when you get to a place. So mm. if you you can see it with your own eyes. It's a lot better. Right. And for that matter, maybe the lifestyle that you envisioned isn't going to match up either to your point of maybe going and trying it for two or three months or whatever, or a month even to see how it is to live in X, Y, or Z destination. Well, let's talk about destinations. Am I right to say that you are featuring 19 new destinations in this book. Yeah. And then there are a few, uh, honorable mentions I, that are in there briefly, but yeah, 19 countries. Should we, should we focus on seven? Does that sound like a nice number? I like sort of odd numbers like that. Sure. Seven's a bit of a lucky <laughs> number. We don't have to go through everything about all of them, but if you had to pull out seven, give us a good mix of, you know, full on city versus like maybe more rural and then something in between where you can get a, a balance of, of, of both. And, and maybe seven is too much if you want to kick that down to like five or three or something. I'll leave in the ball in your court. No, but. that's all right. I mean, let's just uh, talk about by continent because that's a little easier. I mean, a lot of people will try to stay roughly in their same time zone if they're running a business. So a lot of Americans and Canadians will go to Latin America. A lot of Europeans will stay in Europe and um, 
you know, Asia is a lot tougher if you're not coming from Australia or New Zealand because uh, you've got like a 12-hour time difference and you're basically on the opposite time of everybody you need to talk to. So, um, you know, for Americans and Canadians, Mexico is the obvious choice because it's close, it's easy, flights are cheap. Um, during this whole pandemic, it hasn't been closed down. So um, people have still been able to move there. And it's uh, a place that gives you six months on a tourist visa, which is a dream because basically you can go for six months and take a vacation to Guatemala or Costa Rica or go back home Um or you can just cross the border for a day and come back. You know, it's that easy. So then you start over again with six more months. So that's pretty easy. And you can apply for residency as you want. It's it's fairly straightforward. It's not real complicated. So uh, that's an easy one that a lot of people move to. Um, and then I would just bring up two real quick um, in South America that get the most expats. And those would be Colombia and Ecuador. And they're both a good deal. Um Colombia is one of these countries I have, we've been on here and I've been on here before talking about the cheapest places to travel. And there's a lot of overlap uh, in the Venn diagram between the cheapest places to travel and the cheapest to live. But some of them are actually cheaper as a resident than they are as a traveler. And Colombia is one of those because the rents are really a good deal and um, you get a lot for your money. And then you figure out, of course, where the great $4 lunch is and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, Medellin is is very popular for working expats, whereas Ecuador is very popular for retirees. And so it's kind of a different vibe there, although I would go live in Quito and work. And, you know, there's other places that are desirable there. But um, Medellin is much, you know, younger and more happening if, if you're up for the nightlife and that kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, those are some popular areas. Panama as well um, is a good deal and gives you a lot of incentives for moving there, especially if you're retired. Uh, so that's kind of a rundown of America's. That's, those are not the only places, but they're some of the most popular for good reasons. And then just with Mexico, you've got a lot of variety in terms of the um, – topography the weather the kind of city you want to live in you got beaches you got mountains you've got urban you know whatever you want to do and to some extent that's true in the others as well they're just not as big but um ecuador is really unique because it's right on the equator so it's pretty hot at sea level hot and steamy but then cuenca's at i don't know six thousand feet seven thousand something like that so you know, it's a much more temperate climate and same with Medellin and Colombia It's pretty much 70 to 80 all year long. That was a good point you made about the clients as well. If you have a job where you need to talk to people in a certain time zone, do not discount that as a factor of where you're going to go. Yeah. Right? I mean, you and I are in for a rude awakening. We're seven no or eight hours apart right now. <laughs> it's a uh, three o'clock in the morning and you have to get up for a client call. It's just, I've been in uh, Southeast Asia when I've had to do a couple small things like that. And it's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you move anywhere in the Americas, you're probably not more than two or three hours tops. Um, away from the time zone of who you have to talk to. And so it's pretty easy to get something scheduled. <laughs> I will say that that's an incentive for automating your business even more. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, a lot of things can be done asynchronously. I mean, people have virtual assistants in the Philippines and they get by just fine because they're doing it all with voice recordings and emails and whatever. You don't have to be, uh, you know, talking in real time that often. But your relatives might not be as understanding. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, all right, so you talk. Yeah, let's hop over to Europe. Um, okay. I'm going to start off talking about one uh, that you and I had lots of discussions about a year ago, and then all of those discussions came to a halt because we were talking about leading a ski trip to Bulgaria. And we still are. We still, we still are. are doing So that. we're going to plant this seed right now. In the first week of March in 2022, make your plans to go to Vol- Bulgaria with us. It's going to be like eight nights, less than a thousand euros, probably less than 900 euros. It's going to be days of skiing, some snow tubing, some city tours, and lots of fun. But uh, <laughs> we had to can it for this year. Um we had hotels picked out, buses figured out, but thankfully had not put down any deposits. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm bringing that up because um, a lot of Brits have moved to Bulgaria because you could buy a house there for the price of a Volkswagen. And uh, it's quite a cheap place to rent as well. And they have great food and mountains for hiking and skiing. And uh, it's just one of my favorite countries, although it does have a real winter. We're going to take advantage of that because we're going to hit the ski slopes. But if you hate the cold, it's probably not the best place for you. You might want to look at somewhere like Portugal instead. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Otherwise, you know, there are these two clusters in Europe that are basically a deal, whether you're a traveler or a a resident. And those are the former Iron Curtain countries of Eastern Europe and the Balkan countries. And so um, I wanted to mention that was, you know, we consider Bulgaria Eastern Europe by those terms, but um, that area also includes Hungary, Slovakia, some other bargains, Romania. Those are all quite good deals. But in the Balkans, I wanted to mention um, Albania because um, it maybe wouldn't be your first thought by any means. Most people don't know anything about it, couldn't find it on a map. 
but it's right across the the sea from Italy, and there are actually regular ferries running back and forth. So, you know, if you want to go over to vacation on to Italy and eat some pasta, it's not hard. But um, they have loads of beaches and um, also some wild mountain areas for hiking and exploring. And the interesting thing about that country is if you're American, you can stay for a year on a tourist visa. And so you can go there and just um, get your stamp and your passport when you arrive and you don't have to leave for 360 days or whatever it is, um, 363, almost a year. And so, um, it's, it's a year long visa yeah, without even getting residency. So, uh, you can wow. definitely, um, move your work abroad to Albania and live for cheap. I mean, you can get a nice apartment there for five or 600 bucks and even in the capital and, um, furnished with, uh, a nice view. And so that's definitely one to consider <laughs> when I was there, uh, speaking of coffee again, an espresso was 25 cents. So you'd see all these old men sitting in the cafe all day drinking their espressos <laughs> and, uh, you know, beer and wine were cheap too. And it's locally made. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get back there again. I had plans to get there this year and return with my wife and, um, everything got waylaid, but I'm definitely going to do that sometime in the next year. So, um, and if it's okay, I want to move on to one more, um, and sort of in Europe, sort of in Asia, depending on who you ask, which is the country of Georgia. And you might've seen some things about Georgia lately because it's become quite a popular, uh, remote worker, location, independent worker, kind of, um, a country to live in. And for the same reason, they give you a year on your tourist visa, not just for Americans, for other countries as well just for showing up. And they've also instituted a, a sort of digital nomad visa as well, if you want to get legal and stay longer. But you can go there for a year right now and um, find a, a bargain apartment, live the good life, drink some good wine. And uh, I haven't been there yet. It was on my list also for this year. <laughs> but uh, um, I got a lot of friends there and they love it. Man, it's not a hard sell, right? Live the good life, drink some wine, have some good meals, cheap living. <laughs> yeah. And once again, another place where you got the mountains and the ocean, um, the Black Sea anyway. So you can mm. um, live one life and have the other on vacation. Yeah, uh, you got more bang for your buck there. Uh, there was more than seven destinations, I believe. You shout out to Mexico, Colombia, Ecuador, Panama, Bulgaria, Portugal you threw in there. Georgia, Albania. Did I miss any? No, I mean, there's plenty of great places in Asia you can live, but they make it a lot tougher there to stay long term. Um, the easiest is probably Cambodia, and it's also the cheapest. Um, but right now, everything's kind of on hold. Um, there's actually a conference in a TBEX conference that you and I have been to before, the Travel Bloggers Exchange. It's scheduled for Phuket, Thailand in October. So uh, they have high hopes that everything's going to be open by then, and I'm hoping they're right. And Thailand's announced a, a visa that will, if you do it right with the renewals, will let you stay for 260 days. So that's a big improvement on what's been available before. But Thailand has a history of changing the rules every few months, so I don't know if it'll stick. Hmm. What's your advice for people that want to spend time in Europe? I mean, you mentioned Albania having, I've heard amazing things about Albania, by the way, uh, having the year-long visa and Bulgaria. I mean, for those that aren't familiar with uh, the Schengen visa, and at least for Americans and, and how it works, and want to say, maybe you want to 
like be in Portugal, but then you know you're going to have to leave. Like, how would you? What, what advice would you give to people who want to spend time in Europe and maybe specifically Western Europe, but also they need to follow the visa rules? How do? How would you manage that? Yeah, a lot of these countries will make it fairly easy for you, but others make it quite difficult. And Europe's a bit tough because you do have a three month out of every six uh, limit there. So for any of the Schengen countries, if you wanted to go live there, you're basically, if you're American, you're basically limited to three months and then you have to either leave for a good while or you have to apply for residency. Um, if you're Europe, if you have a European passport, life's a whole lot easier. Obviously, you can go to any of these places. And if you were British, you used to be able to, um, but uh, not so easy anymore. But you know, some of these countries are going to keep the same rules for Brits as they they did for Europeans, and so you'll still be able to move there fairly easily. So if you're British, you just assume you're probably going to be able to move to a place like Bulgaria or Portugal a lot easier than an American or Canadian is going to be able to. But having said that, all of these countries, or at least most of them, are starting to realize that this class of location-independent workers is a is a desirable class of people to attract to their countries because we're not using the local social security system or Medicare system or whatever it may be in that country. Um, we're not, uh, most of the time, don't even have kids in school public schools. So there's no, you know, drain there. We're bringing money into the country and spending it fairly freely in some cases. And so, um, in most cases we've got more money than the locals do. And, and so we're adding to the economy. So some of them like Portugal and Spain, uh, have started to create a path for digital nomads or, or, you know, remote workers so that it's easier for us to get a visa. It's been tougher in the past because they, they haven't known what to do with us. It's like, wait, you don't want a work permit, but you want to live here. You know, how are you going to support yourself? Well, what do you mean you're getting money online through PayPal? That, that sounds dodgy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there's been a level of distrust there that I think is starting to go away, especially now that so many quote, normal people are working remotely. I'm fascinated by what has happened as a result of just the world we're living in that you see countries now marketing themselves in a way that uh, is meant to, I mean, countries always marketed themselves like, Hey, come visit us for a vacation, but never in this way, right? Where it's like, Hey, come, come live here. Are you specific set of people? We would like to welcome you in and we're going to give you a special visa for it. You know, you're seeing all these uh, special visas coming out now. And I think it's, that trend is something that's only going to increase. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now because it's especially been a lot of expensive countries in the Caribbean, for instance, you know, places like Barbados saying, oh, come live here. We'll give you a visa. Yeah, well, have you seen the prices in Barbados to rent an apartment? You know, good luck with that. Um, and I, I'm sure they're thinking, oh, we'll get rich people to come live here. But, you know, rich people can go live anywhere they want and they, they're not necessarily going to be swayed by that. It's those of us in the middle who are making and, you know, a normal amount of money each month to live on that are going to go to want to pick up and leave and go to these countries. So um, I've seen it with hotels, too. It's funny. They're all offering this like work from our hotel rate, you know, with all these extra amenities. And I don't think it's going very well because the people that have enough money to do that are just going to rent a villa and live it up with their family. So I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to become more of a trend. We've seen this uh, with 
you know, oddball countries like Estonia that are trying to, you know, get more, uh, educated, uh, mobile people to, to move there or at least set up a business there. So I'm hoping this will catch on in Asia because that's been the most difficult place. Um, Malaysia's had this great, my second home plan for retirees for a long time. And that's been very popular. Basically, if you put enough money in a local bank account or you buy real estate, then you can get a long-term residency visa. Um, and it's a very attractive program because Malaysia's a terrific value, but, um, it hasn't spread much beyond that. And there's places like everybody wants to live in Bali, but they make it so damn difficult that you have to actually fly out of the country every month. You know, I mean, who wants to be doing that all the time? And it's great to live in paradise, but if you're on a plane every month, you know, how much is, how much is it really paradise? (laughs) Yeah. How many of those sort of visa runs do you want to do until you get tired of it yeah i mean it's tough enough to do it from thailand but at least you can go overland bali you can't go overland anywhere what about uh bulgaria is that part of the three-month rule yeah i believe it is um i think they are part of the eu i know romania is um but albania is not um and there's quite a few other countries that aren't part of the that schengen agreement so you know, one solution always is if you don't mind bopping around to different places is you stay in the Schengen zone for three months, then you go somewhere that's not, that's also in Europe for three months, and then you come back again. And uh, I think Montenegro is in the EU, but Bosnia is not, for example. There's there's a few examples like that where even next door neighbors are in different status. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we should, uh, as these visas continue to spring up and things like that, we should entertain the idea when travel opens up again of uh, what about these pop-up co-working communities, right? Yeah. You're just like, hey, guys, six weeks, we'll all meet here. <laughs> We're gonna all going to meet in Albania for two months. We're just going to pop in and have a thing yeah, going on Yeah, it would be great. I saw your note um, about, <laughs> was it Madeira in Portugal? The island of Madeira is trying to uh, have like an expat gathering of 50 or 100 people. But unfortunately, it's like now, which is not a great time to fly there. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. Um, excitedly and selfishly going to mention that tomorrow I'm going to the police station to drop off my paperwork for citizenship in Norway. All right. So, wow. Um, uh, I don't know. It'll take a little while to see if I get approved. I've knock on wood. I've passed all of the things and fulfilled all the requirements. I believe I have my paperwork in order. So hopefully I'll be holding on to one of those European passports soon enough and I won't have to worry about those restrictions, but anyway, I'm just, uh, I'm excited. I love the meetup <laughs> idea because these places kind of become popular just by chance. Almost everybody moves to Medellin or, or moves to uh, Lisbon or moves to Chiang Mai, whatever, but it would be great to pick some less famous place and just say, okay, we're all going to go there and August of 2022 or whatever the case may be. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, man. Well, I mean, Thank you for for this breakdown. Uh, you know, this is uh, I said to Tim in the beginning before we started recording that you know, I would just love to have this conversation with Tim anyway. It's just that I get lucky enough to record it and share it with you because uh, I was uh and so enjoy talking to you and you're uh always one of my f- you're, I think you are my first call when I'm like, hey, I'm, we're going to go. I remember we we're coming to Mexico. I'm like, "Hey, where would you go if you're going to spend like 3 weeks before, you know, this thing we were doing or whatever. And, um, you've always been so helpful to me personally as well. So thank you. And, you know, we should let people, it's mutual. Great talking with you about this stuff. It's fun to chat. It is, man. We should let people know once again about the book, 
uh, a better life for half the price. The second edition, it came out uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. So congratulations, brand new. Uh, How to thrive on less money in the cheapest places to live. So if you like uh, what you heard today, I mean, this is just scratching the surface because the book goes a lot deeper. Yeah, congratulations. It's uh, I mean, you're a writer and you, this is what you do, but isn't it? still such a feat to finish a book, man. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I call that my pandemic <laughs> project because that's what I spent most of the year doing when I was holed up at home. I mean, I run other websites and whatever and do articles, but um, this one was a beast to put together because uh, I don't know, it's 320 pages or something like that. But I, one out, good outcome of this um, COVID crisis was I was able to get a hold of people really easily. So I interviewed more than 80 expats living around the world in different countries. And I've been to all these except Georgia, but um, I haven't lived in all of them, obviously. So I wanted to get the scoop from people who are actually there and see what they were actually spending. So you'll see real prices in there and uh, real experiences. And I list the pros and cons at the beginning of every chapter because I'm trying to keep it real. So um, this is not just like sugar-coated goodness. It's a little bit of um, reality, too. And it's a process to go through to make sure this is the right life for you because um, for some people it's not, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you have a really strong sense of community and roots where you are and you've spent your entire life there, um, this may be an uncomfortable experience and people need to do some soul-searching and make sure they're ready. (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm really glad you touched on that before we let you go because if it's for you, yes, but sometimes you have to do things to figure out what's not for you, you know? I had a real hard time when I first moved to Norway. It took a long time to feel the sense of community and home here. And, you know, for me, my family's here, so that was just, I had to get to that place, right? But if you're somebody that has the option, you might not need to get to that place, you know? You might just want to stay in your home country, but that's for you to decide, of course. Definitely, I think we both agree that travel and living abroad is, it's a fun thing to try out at least, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And um, maybe uh, if you come to Bulgaria with us, we can all chat about this around a beer (laughs) and uh, you can see prices there and go, oh my God, people are actually living on this amount. And uh, you can have fantasies about what you do with all that extra money every month. Indeed, man. What was your biggest takeaway from this book before I let you go? Um, Well, you know, I just feel like most of these people have said something to the extent of, I wish I had done this earlier. You know, there's this fear of change that people naturally have and they're worried about all the steps it's going to take and whatever. But then when people move, they go, oh, that wasn't so hard, really. Like it's a cultural adjustment for sure, wherever you're going. And, you know, you got to figure out how to buy your groceries and get things fixed and whatever. But, um, it's so many people have done this before you, no matter where you're going, that, it's not like you're forging a brand new path, like a pioneer in the old West setting up the homestead, you know, somebody's already done everything you're going to do and they can give you advice on it. That's awesome. Well, we'll leave on that note. Thank you so much, Tim. Again, Oh, I mentioned the book and we'll put a link in the show notes. And if you want to check out the associated blog, cheapestdestinationsblog.com, Tim, Thanks so much, man. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to have you back again. Thanks for having me on, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. Take care.
There you have it. Once again, thanks to Tim, one of my favorite folks out there to talk to and just jam on living abroad. He's been doing it for so long. And now that I've had my years as an expat, it's uh, nice to come together. And I, I love this podcast because I still learn all the time through these conversations, learning new things. No matter how much time I've spent traveling or living abroad, there are just always new things to absorb, new perspectives to share. And sometimes a perspective that I haven't heard in a while, that's just a good reminder for me. So when Tim was talking about stepping outside of your door and things being exotic and, and kind of fresh and every day being fresh, it's easy during this pandemic time to kind of get into the routines and not see the world in that way for me, at least. So it was just a reminder for me, hey, I am in this country that is not my home country, and this all is a foreign, exotic place, and and even though it becomes sort of the new norm, I can still look at it again with those fresh eyes. So thanks, Tim, for reminding me of that and giving me something to chew on here in my day-to-day. Awesome. Okay, I wanted to share some audio with you in a moment. You know, I'm always asking for some audio messages from you all. Well, you can check in anytime. Of course, you can write me a message, jason at zero to travel.com. Everybody knows the email, I think, at this point. But if you're able to record some audio and send it over, you can do that. And I get to hear your voice. And then we can share it here on the podcast. And I got a little audio from a close neighbor over here in Scandinavia from Denmark. This was from Maria. And she's walking on the beach and which you can hear, and it's nice. And she shares a little bit about what what she is up to and kind of what she was thinking in terms of her her mindset and, and asks an important question and also shares a book that's uh, one of my favorites that she's reading that sort of inspired her train of thought. So anyway, give a listen to Maria here on the beach in Denmark, and then we'll come back and, and talk a little bit about this. Hey Jason, thank you so much for all the very inspiring podcasts. I am currently walking at the beach, my daily my daily walk, and then I always listen to one of your podcasts, which is so nice. And I just wanted to say thank you uh, for all the inspiration, because... I'm currently planning my first solo trip um, going to southern Spain um, and I can't wait to hear about the new episodes of solo traveling because yeah it's it's my first time and it was just so inspiring to hear all of these messages through these podcasts because I am currently starting to read the book The Alchemist Maybe some of you know. And I am in my second year of high school. And after the third year, I'm going to travel the world for a year or two or maybe more. I have not planned that out yet. But yes, I'm currently in my second year. And while I was reading this book, it just hit me like, why uh, am I just waiting to after the third year? What am I waiting for? I can do it anytime. Uh, there is this pandemic, so it it is a boundary. But I just got to the thought, like, what 
am I waiting for? Why am I not like planning this now? So I came up with the thought, why not travel to southern Spain in the summertime, in the summer holiday? So recently I'm planning this and so yeah, your tips and all the messages and stories to hear from you and all the interviews you had made are so inspiring. So thank you for all of that. And I'm actually from Denmark, so I truly understand you when you talk about the cold the cold and the dark mornings and evenings of Norway. So I'm here with you in Europe. <laughs> But thank you so much. Thank you, Maria, for sharing your thoughts and a little inspiration for us today because, uh, A, it was nice to hear the beach. And, uh, you know, I thought it was important what you said, that question I talked about at the top of the show, what am I waiting for, you know? And that's a, a really powerful question to ask yourself. So that was the thing I kind of wanted to pick out from from your message. And I'm just so glad you shared because this is a good reminder for all of us the things that we uh, tend to put off sometimes i don't know we think we're being rational but maybe we're putting them off for irrational reasons or fears that uh, are either open or maybe some hidden fears and what a power question right what am i waiting for what am i waiting for to do x y or z and i thought this audio message you sent was just a wonderful reminder for all of us to keep that question top of mind if there's something we've been putting off that we want to do. What am I waiting for? And just answer it honestly. Maybe there are good reasons to wait, but maybe there aren't. Maybe there aren't. And also congratulations on choosing solo travel. It's an incredible experience. Got an episode coming up in March all about solo travel, so I know you're going to enjoy that. And a slew of other amazing episodes coming out. Uh, so thank you, Maria. And before I let you go, one last reminder, please go to zerototravel.com slash premium to get on the wait list for premium passport. This is going to be a separate, exclusive Zero to Travel podcast feed that's uh, going to be for you to get exclusive content, to get access to the Zero to Travel archives, which is going to be over 300 shows and interviews and all the good stuff you love. And we're going to do some community events as well. And I want to co-create this with you. And this little period between now and when it launches March 9th is our chance to create something together. Because when it comes to exclusive content and things that you want, I'm going to be listening very closely and creating the stuff that you want. But in order to participate, you need to hop on this wait list and give me your feedback. So go to zerototravel.com slash premium. You're also going to find out when this launches, which is going to be March 9th. And for that first week, it's going to be just $5 a month. So for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you can support uh, the show. You can be a part of the exclusive private Zero to Travel podcast feed, and you can get exclusive content and connect more with me and the community. And it's just going to be a wonderful thing. I'm so excited for this. I love when uh, creators can have tools to to not only connect more with people, but get some support for the work and do it all in a way where we don't have to have you know, sponsors and things like that because you guys are essentially going to be supporting 
this show and this private feed just by paying that $5 a month. And if you think I've provided some value to you over the weeks, months, or years, and you want to be a part of this, I would love for you to to join us with Premium Passport. So zero to travel.com slash premium. Just go there, sign up for the wait list, and we'll be in touch. Uh, don't forget to do that. Thank you so much once again for hanging out, being with me here today. I want to leave you with an expiring quote. Uh, let me pull one out of the old quote drawer here and never know what you're going to get out of the quote drawer. And flip through this sucker here. Here, go into this one. Okay, this is one that's from Kabir who said, the universe is shot through in all parts by a single sort of love. Hmm. Gives me some nice warm and fuzzies to end the day with and end the show with. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 